friends, good morning. My name is Sam Eldersveld. I am the student ministries pastor here at Fifth. I have the privilege of leading us in our message today. I have a couple friends joining me that will help us read our scripture passage. We have Chandler and Emma. They're wonderful people. Hopefully you can meet them after the service. They go to Calvin. Great people. We are, yes, there's a few woos. I went to a different school, but I won't tell you where I went. Um, so we are continuing this series titled Against the Tide. In scripture, God is clearly telling his people to live differently than the world around us. If the, the culture is going downstream, in many ways, God is calling us to swim upstream, which is a challenge, but yet it is the work that God is calling us to do. Today we're reading from 1 Peter chapter 4. The author of this book is a disciple named Peter. Peter literally walked with Jesus for several years, witnessing the majesty and perfection of the Son of God right next to him. And Peter was an everyday fisherman. There was nothing unique about him. There was nothing very special about him. He didn't win a talent show and because of that got to be a disciple of Jesus. Jesus walked up to him. He said, follow me. Peter dropped everything he did, everything he had, and followed Jesus as his disciple. Peter was a man of passion, and he clearly loved Jesus, but he also had many faults. He lied when asked if he was a follower of Jesus, and he left Jesus alone when Jesus needed him the most, right before Jesus was crucified on the cross. Yet God redeemed Peter, just like he redeems every single one of us when we fail, And God allowed for Peter to be one of the main leaders of the early church. Peter was the rock upon which Jesus built his church. Now thinking about today's world, how many of us in here are fans of musicals, Broadway musicals? We have a few in here. So there is a a famous musical the past five or six years that has come on the scene and taken the world by storm and that musical's name is Hamilton. In this musical, There's a character named Aaron Burr who is one of the early leaders within America. And Aaron Burr has a desire to be in the room where it happened. He wanted to be in the place where really important decisions are made. He wanted to be one of those leaders that had a positive impact on the life of the future of America. When thinking about Peter, Peter was in the room where it happened. He didn't have to do anything to get there. He was invited to be where, where Jesus was at all times and witness the life of Christ firsthand. And Peter has tremendous wisdom on how to live differently in this world that does not know or care about who Jesus is. Peter has entered the fire. He's been forged by the fire and come out stronger on the other side. And he has much to say to us today. So before we read the scripture passage, let me pray for us. God, this is your time. We pray that what is spoken from 1 Peter 4 can be on our hearts, on our minds. Help us live into that as your people. Thank you for loving us, and we love you back. And we pray all these things in your name. Amen. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. 
For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They are surprised that you do not join them in their reckless, wild living, and they heap abuse on you. But they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to human standards in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the spirit. The end of all things is near, therefore be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the finery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any other kind of criminal, or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name, for it is time for it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Emma. Thanks, Chandler. In life, in order for somebody to continue growing in maturity and wisdom, it's really helpful to be paying attention to somebody who's a little bit farther down the road, somebody who maybe has been in our shoes a few years ago. You can think of this person as a mentor-like figure. If I claim to say that I want to be a better husband, I should be paying attention to other men in my life who have been married to their wives for a little bit longer than I have. And in the life of a young child, in most situations, this person or people are their parents. Parents are called to train their young kids how to live in this world. And in the life of a young child, they are going to be given commandments by their parents in order to grow in their wisdom and maturity. And sometimes these commandments sound like, go clean up your room. Sometimes these commandments sound like, please finish your plates before you go and play, before you go do anything else. And of course, not all of these commands are received with joy and gladness by kids. <laughs> and in these situations, sometimes they ask the, the dreaded question, why? Why do I have to do this? And the classic response, a response that has been happening since the beginning of humankind, parents say, because I said so. <laughs> 
And most of the time, parents, they know what is best for their kids. So because I said so means I know what is best for you at this moment. For followers of Jesus, Jesus doesn't only say, do what I say because I said so. Jesus also says, do what I did because I have done that. Jesus knows what is best for his followers for their growth and their maturity. Jesus also doesn't tell us something to do that he has not done himself. Verse one says this. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. So when we ask Jesus, why do we have to suffer? This is not the life that I signed up for. This is difficult. This is challenging. He responds with, because I did so. Now go and do the same. We suffer simply because that is what Jesus did by doing good in this world. And that is what we are called to do as Jesus' disciples. Our example, our ultimate example is the life of Jesus. Now it's really important for us to have mentor-like figures, people who are a little bit farther down the road that we can look to and try to be like, but the best mentors have Jesus as their ultimate example on how to live in this life. So suffering, that's not exactly the life that we want. That doesn't sound like a really great life, especially when you say yes to Jesus and you hear about all these things like new life, like rebirth, Yet, this is the narrow path that Jesus is calling us towards. Matthew 7, verses 13 through 14 says this. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Suffering, as a follower of Jesus, is entering the narrow gate. Obeying Jesus because he did so, because he said so, is entering the narrow gate. When we start to pick and choose what feels comfortable, what we like, what makes us feel good in our life of following Jesus, that is similar to us jumping on a raft that's going down the whitewater rapids with the rest of culture right next to us. Now, to be clear, as Christians, we're not called to just go and seek out suffering for suffering's sake. We don't have to wake up every single day and say, how am I going to suffer today? We are called to follow Jesus and to do good by following his example and suffering will simply find us. This happens because we live in a world that does not know Jesus and we live in a culture where giving your allegiance to something greater than you. We live in a culture we're saying you are obeying a higher power where, where others say that is foolish. We suffer because there is a cost to giving up your life, picking up the cross, bearing the name of Jesus in this world. But on the other side of suffering, there is so much fruit. People come to know Jesus through our suffering. Going a little bit further in verse one, Peter tells us to arm ourselves with the same attitude as Jesus. So what does arming yourself with the same attitude as Jesus do? Peter mentions that whoever arms themselves with Christ's attitude and suffers in the body is 
done with sin. Now we have to be careful with this phrase, done with sin. Jesus conquered death and sin by dying on the cross and he was resurrected to life again. Faith in Jesus means freedom from this sin because Jesus took our sin with him on the cross. Sin is still present in this world until Jesus comes back again to eradicate it. So what Peter means by being done with sin is that sin has no power over somebody who professes faith in Jesus. Sin's power has no comparison to the power and love of Jesus. When we are Christ-like with our attitude, sin can't do anything to stop us. Arming yourself with the attitude of Jesus is a defense against sin in this world. Because we know there's a battle going on. We know that the evil one is like a lion ready to pounce when we show weakness. Putting on the mindset of Jesus is giving us a defense against that very motive. And also arming ourselves with the attitude of Jesus has to be a daily action. We don't just have one moment in our lives where we say yes to Jesus and expect to all of a sudden be an amazing Jesus follower, one of the best disciples that that God has made. God's people every single day have to intentionally say to themselves, Jesus, I want to be like you today. Help me be your presence in this world today. Being Christ-like doesn't just happen magically to people who have professed faith in Jesus. We have to make an effort in order to do this. In Romans 13, Paul says something similar about adopting the attitude of Jesus. Here's what Paul says. He says, rather clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. So adopting the attitude of Jesus is a daily task, just like putting on your clothes every single day. If we do not daily adopt the attitude of Jesus, the wide gate will call our names and we will venture away from this narrow path. Defend yourself against sin by daily adopting the attitude of Jesus. Going on, verse two gives us another positive outcome of adopting the attitude of Jesus. Here's what verse two says. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather the will of God. By thinking, by living in a Christ-like way, we do not have our own evil desires leading the way, but our desires are for living for the will of God. So Peter gives us two different realities in this verse. Living for evil human desires, living for the will of God. And Peter names several evil human desires in verse three that center around inappropriate sexual behavior, that center around idolatry, drinking too much, which are common in today's world and not just in the world that Peter lives in. And there's a few more that I will add to the list that revolve around evil human desires that we deal with today. Consumerism. We constantly think that we need more, that when we have more, we will be satisfied. When we have extra money, we feel like we need to use that money to buy things for ourselves. Individualism is big in today's world. We think about ourselves too much. We think that our opinion matters over other people's opinion. We want our voice to be heard before listening to other people. We can often think that we are what we do that we find worth in the things that we do, the things that we accomplish. 
we often think that our worth is not simply found in being a child of God. In following Jesus, and it is an adventure because we're constantly going back and forth. Every now and then we find ourselves going towards our evil human desires and the Lord calls us back home. When we fall into this trap of temporary satisfaction, we are forgiven and we are given strength to go again and walk down the narrow path. So on the flip side of the evil human desires is living for the will of God. Many of us have heard this phrase many times in our lives. And this is the million dollar question. What is the will of God? You could say a generic answer like believe in Jesus and act like him and you would be absolutely right. You could also say verses 7 through 16 in the passage that we read this morning are amazing ways that we can be living towards the will of God and you would be right. God's will is that people, his people are people of prayer, that they believe in Jesus and they act like him. That, that God's people would speak the very words of God and serve others. And God's will is that his people would suffer for doing good things, just like what Jesus did. All of these things are a part of God's will, and adopting the mindset of Jesus helps us remember what God's will is. And God's will can be generic, like loving God and loving other people, but there's absolutely more to his will that takes some discernment, that takes time. So let's take the topic of God's will a step further and think about our own individual lives. And I challenge you to think about who you are and where you are in life right now. What, excuse me, what is God's will for you today? What is God's will for you this next week, this next month? Think about the gifts that God has blessed you with, your own unique gifts. Think about the people you interact with on a daily basis, on a weekly basis. The places you go and ask the question to God, what is your will for me in this moment? Do certain names of people come to mind that you can befriend? Are you sensing that you're going too fast in life? Are you sensing that the Lord is telling you to slow down? Are you sensing that the Lord is telling you that maybe you need to change your friend groups because when you're around these certain people, you find yourself not acting in a Christ-like way? These are questions that we should be asking ourselves. God, what is your will for me this day? So found in the middle of verses 7 through 16, which are great ways that we can be living towards the will of God, is verse 10, which talks about the act of service. And I'll read that for us right now. Verse 10, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So speaking of serving others, think about other people before ourselves. I want to tell you a story about last week, Sunday night, and you can start putting up these pictures, Mark. Last week, Sunday night, I invited four different households the daunting invitation to have middle and high school students at their house for a meal and and to get to know these students. And basically, and four people said yes, by the way, that's a big deal. They accepted and they were happy to do that. 
And basically the, the goal of this evening was for young people to have a positive interaction with the greater church outside of this building, for an intergenerational connection to happen, for, for students to see what faith looks like in the life of other people, especially those that are a little bit farther down the road. And I want to show you these These are the pictures of the middle school boys small group that ended up going to Jan and Carol Field's house last Sunday night. I wasn't there, unfortunately. I did not get to witness uh, this amazingness. But the story that I heard is that they were having a meal outside. It was a beautiful evening. And having conversation, introducing themselves. And every middle school boy had about four cans of pop, which is pretty normal. That happens in, in, in many situations with middle school boys. And of course, towards the end of their, their gathering, two of them just started arm wrestling. I mean, that, that is something that just happens when middle school boys get together. They think, how can I show my physical dominance? And so basically, Arm wrestling started to happen, and I don't know if it was Jan or Carol, but at this point, they thought, we actually have an arm wrestling kit in our closet. I'm going to bring it out right now, and let's have a whole tournament right now. <laughs> and so th- those are the pictures that you see. They're, they're literally having an arm wrestling competition, and I love seeing these pictures. Um, I, I love it because I see so much joy in, in their faces, in every single person's face. This is what happens when we adopt the attitude of Jesus, when we think about other people, when we invite others into our space and show the love of Jesus. In scenarios like this, people feel that Jesus is real. People feel that Jesus cares about them, that they are noticed. And this is a beautiful picture of the church pouring into other people. So I love this story. I think it's a really great example on how we can actively live towards the will of God. Jan and Carol, thank you. And thank you to everyone else who hosted middle and high school students last week. I know it's not easy to do. Yeah, we can clap that up. Thinking about God's will in a unique way for us is a good thing because we all have a unique purpose in this world. And knowing God's will takes discernment, which is how the Bible talks about it too. And here's what Romans 12, 2 says about God's will. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. This discernment takes time and it demands that we, as God's people, constantly stay in a relationship with the God that we follow. It's not just a weekly thing on Sunday mornings where we say, hey God, Good to see you. It's a daily conversation, something like, Jesus, what is your will for me today? How can I go and be faithful wherever I'm going with whoever I am interacting with? The last major theme in this passage revolves around the topic of time. Verse 7 says this, the end of all things is near. Verse 17 says, for it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. It's not always the most comforting feeling when thinking about our own mortality and knowing that our, own, our very own days are numbered in this world. Death is something that we talk about as Christians on a regular basis, but yet it scares us because there is so much unknown. There is so much unknown, but yet there are several things that we do know. 
We know that Jesus has died for us. We know that our sins were nailed with him on the cross and that Jesus rose again. In these very words we said earlier, we, we believe that death has no sting. And we are invited to spend eternity with our perfect God through faith in Jesus. Not only does Peter talk about our time being limited on earth, but he also loops in those that don't know Jesus into this same conversation. Here's how Peter ends the fourth chapter, starting in verse 17. For it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. What will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Adopting the attitude of Jesus gives his people the ability to be Christ's presence in this world. And Jesus spent a great deal of time with those that did not know him or care about him. Jesus spent time with prostitutes. He spent time with Roman soldiers, tax collectors, lepers, the blind, the religious narcissists. The list goes on and on. He spent quality time with those that were thought of as ungodly and sinful. And how did Jesus go about evangelizing to these people? Did he stand on a street corner and start preaching and yelling the book of Jeremiah or the whole book of Psalms to a group that he doesn't know? Jesus went to these people's houses. He ate meals with them. He stood beside them when they were being ridiculed by everyone else. He was faithfully present with the ungodly and the Holy Spirit was the one to convict them and bring them to repentance. Jesus didn't force anything upon these people. Those here in this room, those joining us online, all have people in our lives who we would consider to be ungodly, those that don't know who God is, those that don't profess faith in Jesus. So how are you being faithfully present to the ungodly in your life, those that don't know who Jesus is? Are you sitting at the dinner table with these people? Are you inviting them to your own dinner table? If you have an extra ticket to a game on the weekend, who are you inviting to spend quality time with you? What will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Having a heart for those that don't believe in God is absolutely in the mindset of Jesus. God wants all people to join him in paradise and he asks you and me to be a part of that process. The gospel is too good not to share with other people and the time is now for us to show the love of Christ to those that don't know him. Something that helps me when engaging with somebody that I know isn't a follower of Jesus is I like to picture in their lives a brighter future. I like to picture them one day saying yes to Jesus. I like to picture one day seeing them in heaven and, and them coming up to me and saying, thank you for showing me the love of Jesus. You had a part in this process. And I don't know what, what heaven will look like. I don't know if we'll be able to recognize each other, but that is something that gives me encouragement in my daily walk in, 
and getting out of my comfort zone and showing the love of Jesus to somebody that does not know who he is. Changing our mindset to be like Christ, adopting his attitude is life-changing, not just for us, but the people around us. And suffering for doing good is part of being a light in this world of darkness. Defend yourself against sin by clothing yourselves with Jesus Christ on a daily basis. Discern what is God's will in your life by seeing the world the way Jesus does. Have a heart for those that don't know him because our time here on earth is limited and God wants all people to join him in eternity. Friends, we have a lot of work to do, but it is a privilege to do this kind of work. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Would you pray with me? Lord, we love you, and we ask that today you would help us adopt your attitude. Would our desires for loving you uh, be on our minds, be on our hearts? Would we see this world as a place uh, where your love can be shown in all moments? And would you give us strength as your disciples to go out of this place and be a light in this world? And God, we pray all these things in your name. Amen.